Here we go, here we go. Welcome to Police Pod Talk. Whoop, whoop, it's the police. Don't look in your rearview mirror. This podcast covers the latest police news, along with hitting the hot topics you've been talking about all week. I'm your host, Cleveland. Thank you for joining us. Hey folks, welcome back to Police Pod Talk. Once again, we are talking to our healthcare workers, the people on the front line, thanking them and appreciating all the work that they have been doing. And today I have Heather Wood on the phone. She is a nurse here in the Fort Wayne Hospital. She's going to talk to us a little bit today about her life, the things that are going on, the things that we're seeing, and some of the precautions we probably all need to take. Hey Heather, you can say good morning to the people. Good morning. All righty. And Heather, I do appreciate you doing this, getting up so early in the morning and uh, hanging out with me. Hey, um, Absolutely. All right. Good, good. Uh, Heather, I think the first thing I really want to ask you, and I've known you for some time, I want to I ask you, and I haven't talked to you in a while, how are you doing? I mean, how are you doing physically? I'm doing fine. Not really much has changed for my health. I have not gotten sick. I'm taking care of myself, still exercising from home as much as I can. And, so. uh, and and since you said that, go ahead and go ahead and tell my listeners. They don't know it, but I know it. Tell tell them what kind of exercising you're doing. <laughs> I do a lot of training for Spartan races. This year we don't get to do any races, but I still do some of my training here at home just to stay healthy and strong. So explain. I, I know someone's sitting there going, "What the heck is a Spartan race?" <laughs> <laughs> um, a Spartan race is a kind of like a mud run where there's a, a course with a certain amount of miles. It can either be anywhere from three miles, five miles, or um, as many as 15 miles. And there are um, several obstacles, either monkey bars or um, rings that you have to cross or um, large walls you have to climb. Um, and then once you finish, you you get a medal and and a sore body. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you do you do these almost once a year? Or how many times do you do these things? Last year, I did 11 of them. Wow. We traveled all over. Um, we went as far as Utah um, and even over into West Virginia. I earned um, three. They're called trifectas. I earned three trifectas. Oh. Um, each trifecta consists of like a sprint, super, and a beast. So a sprint is three to five miles. A super is five to eight miles. I'm sorry, eight to ten miles, mm -hmm. and a beast is thirteen to fifteen miles. Okay, how many of the beasts do you do? Um, last year I did three. Three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, do you you include your husband in this? He does. Yes, he started doing them with me last year. Oh, okay. He he had to build up to it, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> You've been doing this for several years, though. Yes. <laughs> I think at one point, did you have your mother or someone with you? Yeah, my mom did a race with me last year. I thought I saw something posted about that. Now, yes. Has she done any of them after that? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so asking how you're doing. This is kind of a stress reliever for you, or is this something you enjoy doing? The, yes, definitely. It's definitely a stress reliever. Um, exercise has been more important to me with all the stress of work. It didn't feel like it was affecting me much at all. But then there have been times where I um, start feeling somewhat anxious or um, overwhelmed at work. Um, exercise really has helped with that. Okay, so asking about you, tell me about your family. I know you have young ones. Uh, how are they? How are they handling all this? Knowing mom's going to work during this difficult time. In the beginning, they didn't quite get it. 
as time went on, I explained it um, in more detail to them and explained how sick these people are and explained all the, the safety precautions we have to take at work. I showed, I took a picture of myself and showed them everything, all the PPE I have to wear um, to keep myself safe. And so they, they understand it now. Anytime I come home from work, they ask if they can give me a hug or if I need to go change my clothes or before or take a shower before they can touch me. And so they understand that they call it, they call it the Rona. <laughs> the, the Rona. Yeah, they they understand. They're six and almost four. They, you know, see us wear masks out in public at times. And my oldest tries to wear hers, but she doesn't like wearing it. So that was going to be another question. But since you brought it up right now, wearing the mask, um, how important is that for us? I mean, to wear? It's very important to protect yourself and protect others. There are many people that that can have it and have no idea they have it. And if you're going to the grocery store, um, you you probably feel fine, but you could spread it to someone who, who won't be fine. Proper precautions, you know, wash your hands like we've always been taught. Um, right. Don't touch your face. Try and do your best to, to um, protect yourself and other people. Right. Now, since we're talking about it and we're on the roll of this, kind of give us what would I expect, what would I feel like if I started to get it? You know, honestly, it varies with people. We had a nurse at work that got it. I had no idea she had it um, until she lost her smell. And she got tested and she was positive. And that was about all. She said she couldn't smell anything. And when we, she would wear a mask at work, it kind of made her feel a little bit claustrophobic. But something as mild as losing your smell to we have patients who get put on ECMO which is basically bypass for your lungs, where um, we put a large bore, and I'm just going to call it, it looks like a giant tube inside you, take your blood out, oxygenate it, and put it back because your lungs can't do it. So, you know, there's one extreme to the other. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump back again. We were talking about your, you, your, your kids. Tell me how your husband is dealing with this. Uh, I mean, from the very beginning to even now. In the beginning, he was very anxious about it. He was very scared with me going to work. He was worried about me coming home and, you know, giving it to our family. He was worried about me getting it. He did start working from home, I think, at the end of March. So he was he he was um, kind of parked upstairs doing all his work. But as time went on, he was he just realized the safety precautions that I was taking and of wearing the appropriate PPE and the number of times I'd wash my hands at work and come home and my hands look like chicken feet. <laughs> They'd just be so dry. <laughs> so he, he is more relaxed with it now. He, he sees how serious we take it at work and mm -hmm. knows that we're doing our best to keep ourselves safe. I'm going to back up a little bit. Kind of tell our listeners, uh, when did you start as a nurse? You know, how long have you been a nurse? And what were you doing prior to this outbreak? What were your responsibilities? I've been a nurse. It'll be 11 years in December. Prior to the outbreak, we I mean, I was just carrying on life like normal. When we started learning about this, our ICU was already hopping. We thought we had all these flu patients. And we did have a lot of flu patients, but we had patients that were testing negative and were still just so sick. And we couldn't figure out what was going on. So, I mean, you, we didn't think anything of it. We didn't, we didn't know how, how dangerous or how scary this virus was at the time because we didn't really think it was in the United States. And if it was, it w there weren't many cases yet. I, we just carried on life like normal. 
So what is your responsibilities at the hospital? As a nurse, I mean, I, I take care of the coronavirus patients directly. We, um, I take care of them if they're on the ventilator. We sometimes, they end up on machines that require them to have one nurse take care of them. And that nurse has no other patients. So it's a one-to-one. They ended up sometimes on continuous dialysis, which um, basically like regular dialysis, but it's much more gentle and it's just continuous. Mm -hmm. It's not like a four-hour run where they come off the machine and then, you know, they go about their business. They're so sick from the virus that um, we have to do it very slowly. Sometimes um, we're just basically cleaning their blood because their body can't do it. So you said that you guys are more of a one-on-one So you only have one patient you have to worry about? When we have one of those continuous dialysis patients or like the ECMO patients, uh, you only have one of those patients because they're so sick and they're so time consuming. So what is your day like? Give me, give our listeners a clue. You're getting ready. You're heading into work. What are you going up against? It's just chaos. Our, our ICU is, has been full of Sometimes right now, I think we have like 35 patients and our bed is a 36 bed ICU. It's nerve wracking because you don't know what you're going to go into. You don't know what staffing is going to be like or if there are going to be tripled assignments because we don't have enough nurses to take care of these patients because we have so many patients that are one to one that are on these ECMOs or on that continuous dialysis. So it's a little nerve wracking. You don't know how sick these people are going to be. Sometimes you even think about, you know, like, am I going to get it today? Am I going to come in contact with this today? And not so much that I'm worried about me getting sick. I'm not really in that high risk category, but I don't want to give it to somebody else. You know, we wear, we have to wear hair coverings. We have to wear goggles. We wear our N95s when we're in our rooms, when we're not in our patients' rooms, we have to wear a surgical mask. So we have a mask on, you know, 8, 12, 16 hours, whatever shift you're working. And by the end of the shift, your face is sore from it rubbing underneath your chin and you're just it's high stress the entire time you're there just because of the precautions you're taking and making sure you have all the right stuff on before you walk into a room and so it's a little extra stressful oh yeah yeah i can i can hear that so are you working the 12-hour shifts or what are your shifts sometimes i work 12s um lately i've been working eights i am back in school for my master's in nursing so the shifts we usually work are 3 a.m. to 3 p.m. Um, and with having little girls, I don't get to do homework until after they go to bed. So I'm up till midnight at times doing homework. So I usually do eight-hour shifts unless they're really hurting. I'll do a 12. You're going back to school. You're in school right now studying. Yes. On top of all this stress, you're trying to get homework done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How's that going? I mean, it's going fine. I mean, it's I'm just tired because I'm up late every day, but it's going. Okay. <laughs> oh my good. And 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 again, the workouts do help, right? Yes. <laughs> so, well, yes. I just got to make sure of that. Now I'm going to ask you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say when I have time. Now there's less time for all that, but I still fit them in a couple times a week. So okay. as long as, as long as you get them in there. Like, yeah. Now I'm going to ask you a tough question here, and and you can answer it if you want. I mean, you've been doing this for quite some time. You've been mm-hmm. in this fight for a while. Are you like some of the other nurses that we're seeing on TV who are having a hard time because they're losing patients? You know, in the beginning we were. You know, it's hard to watch these patients die alone. You know, we're at, we're, many times when, when we know that the end is coming and there's nothing else that we can do about it, we do our best to be right there with them. And it's, it's really hard to watch some of these younger I mean, like 50, 60-year-olds dying from this, 
um, without their families by. You know, we we do a Zoom with their families, like a camera phone call or whatever, right. like a face-to-face. That is really hard because they're not there to be with their loved one. And in the beginning, we were having people dying quite a bit. It has, the death in our ICU has slowed down a little bit. So I feel like we've kind of gotten used to it, which sounds absolutely terrible. But if you don't become used to it, if you don't become hardened to it, it just, it'll eat you up. Are you meeting with anyone? You guys sitting down talking, debriefing on this kind of stuff? Even before this virus with lots of you know, nurses deal with death all the time. Um, and in the break room, we would we ch- we kind of debrief and talk about it because all of us can understand it. So we that's what we do at lunch. We kind of talk about our how our day is going, and it just kind of <clears throat> gives us a way to um, help each other instead of you know we go home and I just had I I've had a patient die, and now I got to go home and be a mom and and be a wife and not think about that patient that just passed away that was like 55 years old and his grandkid was talking to him on the phone, crying because he knew his grandpa wasn't coming home. That's hard. So talking with our coworkers really helps a lot. When you started being a nurse, had you ever experienced anything to this magnitude? No, not at all. Not at all. Even the nurses that have been nurses for 30 years say they've never seen anything like this. And with that being said, do they see it getting any better, slowing down? Because what we're seeing on the world news is telling us something different. I want to hear from you. What are you guys seeing? I think it's going to be around forever, personally. I think it's just going to be like the flu. I think once we learn enough about this and learn, you know, about more about like symptoms, which we know a lot about symptoms, but once we know, once there's a vaccine and hopefully the vaccine works, I'm thinking it's just going to be, you know, like a regular flu season type thing. And I think that's what a lot of us other nurses in in, in our ICU think is it's just going to be here for probably ever. And we're going to probably see trickling cases after this, you know, after this year or so pass and there's coming probably going to be random cases here and there. Um, but I think our care in the ICU is probably going to change forever just because of this. I think a lot of things are going to change forever. Okay, so you're saying that. Do you think that the way wearing the mask is going to be something that a lot of us are going to keep having to do? I don't know if it's um, people in the public are going to keep having to do it, but I think people in the, I think I could see them having us wear masks, especially in the high risk areas like the ICU. Like we are the COVID unit. If you have COVID and you're really sick, you're going to be in our unit. I think I could see us having to wear masks at work all the time. So what do you predict for the uh, future for schools, high schools, colleges coming up here? I mean, oh man, I don't know. There's been a lot of talk about what the plan is. I personally think that kids should go back to school because parents, most of us, are not equipped to teach our children. <laughs> and the social aspect of it for younger kids, how important it is. I, I mean, if you want to send my kid back to school and she has to wear a mask, I'm all for that. I mean, they're not a high risk. The, the, the younger children are not really high risk. I mean, they can get it. And typically, you don't even know it. But I think there are so many more negative things of keeping all these kids at home than sending them to school. Okay, what about your your college-age kids? College-age kids, you know, (laughs) I feel like they should probably go back, too. I mean, they're going, I mean, some of these people are going to school to be nurses, and they're not getting to do clinicals. 
as a nurse, our job is high risk. And they even as a student, you need to see that and you need to experience it. Because once you're in the real world and you have to deal with these patients, you're not going to know what to do because you didn't get to do your clinicals. Even, I mean, like engineering students or, you know, whatever, like maybe make the class sizes smaller, maybe make um, come up with a way to get them back to school. Right. I, I mean, education is important. Now, did you have any nurses, I mean, who were hadn't even graduated yet, who got thrown in the fire with you? No. So you didn't have no, any, no, were, no rookies were getting to work in the, the hot spot? No, not that hadn't, none that hadn't graduated or um, haven't taken boards. No. We've had some new grads come on board with, like, we've just hired some new grads, but none that haven't graduated. All right, so they all had to at least graduate before they were put out in the, in the fire. Yes. I just wanted to make sure of that. Yes. Uh, as as a, a regular guy, you know, going to the store, going, you know, to different places, tell us, uh, the listeners, what should we be doing? You wear your mask. Um, I don't know that gloves are necessary. I see so many people wear gloves in the grocery store and they're still touching their face. They're still putting their hands in their purses. They're still putting their hands in their pockets. Just because you're wearing gloves doesn't protect you from putting your hands in your pockets. That's no different than just having your hands gloveless. I mean, you're still touching surfaces, still touching things. So that doesn't, that doesn't protect you. Okay. I don't think gloves are necessary if you wash your hands or you use hand sanitizer. Don't touch your face and you'll be fine. What about travel advice? I mean, I'm, I'm supposed to be going to Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, is it good, bad? I mean, on an airplane. On an airplane? I mean, I think the requirements are that you have to wear a mask at all times unless you're eating or drinking. I just would be very aware of people around you. Make sure people aren't sneezing while they're eating and... <laughs> I mean, definitely the airport, I would be very careful. Um, Once you're there, you're probably fine. I mean, I think, I know I had a family member that just went to Florida at the beginning of June, and they said they had to wear their masks everywhere, and they kind of just kept to themselves, like most people did. I mean, I just got back from a trip from Myrtle Beach, and the beaches weren't busy. I didn't feel unsafe. There were hand sanitizer stations everywhere. Just use the hand sanitizer constantly. Well, we're supposed to be going to Disney. Do you okay. think that's going to work? I mean, that would be nerve-wracking for me, but I don't. as long as you take the proper precautions and you're safe, I don't see why it wouldn't work. Okay. All right. We're, we're taking the grandkids now. Okay. That's going to be a fight. <laughs> yeah. Yep, it is. I mean, just let them have fun with the hand sanitizer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I want to make sure, you know, our listeners understand that, I mean, when this whole thing hit, and even to this day right now, you are working right in that COVID unit. Yes. I mean, you're in the hot zone every day you're going in there. Is that yes. right? Okay. Yes. I wanted to make sure they knew that yep. part right there. Yeah. And then you're, you're trying to deal with this coming home, and then you got homework to do, and you still have your family you've got to work with. And, and yep. uh, your best advice is uh, uh, exercising and, and along those lines, staying, trying to yeah. stay healthy. Stay healthy. Um, find a way to relieve the stress. Because it does catch up with you. Man, does it catch up with you. Mm-hmm. Um, the high tension at work in the beginning of this, we had no idea what we were doing. So policies were constantly changing. So on top of the nerve-wracking care that we had to give to these patients, then we didn't know what policies were going to be in place when we got to work. And heck, sometimes they would even change while we were at work. <laughs> so it was just, that was that in itself was so stressful. And then, you know, the first time you take care of one of these patients, it's just kind of scary. Mm-hmm. 
But I mean, the scariness of taking care of the patients has decreased some. It's a little more scary when you have the patients who aren't intubated and they're coughing all over you while you're trying to assess them. That's a little nerve wracking. But just find a way to you know, talk to talk to a family member, find other moms, which is what I do. I have two moms that live on my street. We, we stand around and talk and just try and decrease our stress levels. Right. Do you believe this has made you a better nurse? Yes. I do. Um, and it has made me a much more compassionate nurse. Not that I wasn't before, but it, you know, having to hold somebody's hand while they're dying because their family can't be there kind of changes you for a little, a little while, if not forever. That's what I was going to say. I was wondering if it's going to change you forever. Let me ask you this. There's been a lot of people saying thank you for what you guys are doing. Thank you for being there. Thank you for all the stuff you have to deal with. And there's a lot of people praying for you guys also. I want to make sure you know that. Thank you. Give me a clue. Give our listeners a clue. What have people been doing for you guys from the outside, be it companies, businesses, uh, individual families? What have they been doing to show their thanks and appreciation for you? Um, in the very beginning of this, we had people, people we didn't even know within the community, um, sending like baked goods and sending us dinners from like Chick-fil-A. People were making um, like reusable masks for us and our hair nets. They were making like surgical caps. People were doing so many amazing things for us. We would have family members of our nursing staff send us meals or make us dinner. Even nurses from other units who have been shut down because of this that weren't having, at the time when we weren't having surgeries and other units um, were really slow, they were bringing us meals and making us cookies. And there have been so many people that have done so many wonderful things for us. I just hope that doesn't end. And uh, something I said a while ago, I said, why are we, why do we have to wait till now to start saying thank you to our nurses and our frontline people, our healthcare workers? I mean, we had to wait till something like this happen <laughs> to remember, yeah. hey, they're very important. <laughs> I, I, I want a good one. When I end up in the hospital, I want one of those good ones, okay? Yes, <laughs> absolutely, right. And uh, you guys are, are great. I'm telling you, you're doing an outstanding job, and I know it's a tough job, and a lot of us don't understand it. Uh, we don't want to face the things that you have to face, but uh, we pray for you that you can talk to someone. You can relieve some of this stress, and, and that's going on in your life. So we're still there for you. We're still backing you, especially here at Police Pod Talk. That's why we wanted to do this special series, talking to the uh, frontline workers, the healthcare workers, the people who are putting themselves out there every day. And I'm so glad that you did say, yes, you would talk to me. You never said what hospital you work at. Maybe maybe people need to know where you, Heather Wood, the great nurse <laughs> who's, who's getting better at her job. I mean, where are you working at? Are you allowed to say? Uh, yeah, I work at Parkview. Okay, which Parkview? There's like two of them here. I work at PRMC, the one right over off 69. Oh, the, the big one, the new big one up north. Yes. Okay, all right. Yeah, you did know that was up north, right? <laughs> okay all righty heather thank you very much and uh, i know we didn't get to everything but we did touch on a lot of things but uh, again we wanted to make sure you know we appreciate what you do what your co-workers do and for those people out there listening if you're still wanting to do something special for our nurses and and the people on the front line keep doing it don't say oh well they've been in it because you're still in the fight right you're it's not over for you no it's very busy we've gotten we've picked up quite a bit as things have started reopening. We still have ventilators, still have one or two beds at a time, but it's very busy. Well, since you just hit on something, I'm going to ask you, we're not getting in any kind of political thing. Do you think mm-hmm. we open up a little bit too soon or too fast? Um, I don't. 
and only, I mean, we've done it slowly. I think he has done a very good job. Oh, no, wait, wait, let's not get into the political side. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that. And wait, unless you're talking about the governor. You're talking about the governor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm sorry. Go um, ahead. I think he's done a good job trying to keep an eye on, you know, the ICU beds and the number of ventilators. And now there are probably some hospitals within Indiana because, like, um, Indianapolis was hit much harder than Fort Wayne that probably need to open up slower just because of. You know, the, the large population that's in Indianapolis is not like what's here in Fort Wayne. Mm-hmm. Or, or it's larger than what's here in Fort Wayne. Right. Um, but I think, I mean, we still have beds available. We still have ventilators available. I think it's been okay. I think there are some nurses that think that we shouldn't have opened up at all yet. But right. that's a whole nother discussion. Okay. We'll say that for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll be dealing with this for quite some time to come. I, yet, so. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Again, Heather, thank you very much for getting up early in the morning and uh, calling us here at Police Pod Talk. And again, we appreciate everything you do as one of these essential workers on the front line in the heat of the battle. Thank you for fighting the good fight that you do. All righty. All right. Thank you. You're right. No problem. It's my pleasure. Okay. Hey, folks. Thanks for tuning in to Police Pod Talk. We will catch you again next week. Thanks again for hanging out with us. Remember, you can always go to policepodtalk at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook at Cleveland Junior or Police Pod Talk. Thanks again. We'll see you next week.